Welcome, Mops Leaders. You are listening to Connections, the podcast. Here we have practical, inspiring, and fun conversation about leadership, lovingly welcoming moms, and sharing Jesus. On this episode, we are welcoming our very own Mops CEO and President, Mandy Ariodo. We are so excited to talk about the theme for our 2019-2020 year. So welcome, Mandy. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We've um, done a lot about our theme recently, and we just want to let people know in case they haven't heard. The theme is to the full um, for our next year here. So can you tell us just a little bit about what that means? So to the full really is capturing what it means to live life to the full. And it comes from John 10.10, where it talks about how the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. And so what we're exploring is what does the full life look like? And I think it looks like being joyful and grateful and hopeful and a lot of other full words, but um, it's really exploring this idea of what does God mean when he says that we can experience life to the full. Very good. So, so we know that, you know, creating this theme takes a long time, but can you tell us a little bit about how do we, how do we come up with this? Like we do a theme every year for mops, but what does that process look like? Yes, good question. So the theme is a year long process of really uh, starting right after one theme gets launched. So April 1st, we start thinking of the theme for the next year. And it really starts with me taking about three months where I am praying and asking God, what is it that you are our community to focus on over the next year? What do you want to show us? What do you want to teach us? And as I'm praying on my knees and on my face on the ground before God, it always seems like he starts to reveal to me in small ways over and over again, these little nuggets of truth. And it's like a trail that I follow. And I always say, it seems like the theme reveals itself to me rather than me conjuring it up because God is so good to really show me over the course of those three months where he wants to take us. And what really informs our theme development is first prayer. But secondly, I talk with thousands of women over the course of a year. And I hear stories and I hear the things that they're struggling with and the concepts that they're searching for around their faith. And uh, two years ago at MomCon, we asked all of the women who came on the first night to write down on a piece of paper the thing that they were holding on to, the thing that they were struggling with, the thing that felt too heavy for them to carry over the course of the weekend so that we could carry it for them. And we took all those pieces of paper that they wrote on, we brought them back to the office, and I read through every single one of them. And it was so um, vulnerable and intimate, the things that they put on those papers, but they really informed our themes over the next last year and this coming year and they'll inform next year because it was this glimpse into the deepest part of so many women's hearts and the things that they really are thinking about. And so through our surveys, through conversations, through MomCon and through prayer, we come together and I bring the team three different ideas that I kind of flesh out and then present them to them. 
and they think through them and pray over them for a couple months. And then we come back together and together we decide what we feel like is the one key concept that we know that God is is moving us toward for the coming year. And then from there, once we've decided as a team here at MOPS, we send it to our content advisory panel. And our content advisory panel is comprised of pastors, um, professors at a local seminary. We have moms on there. We have board members. And they read over our theme and the exegesis, and they tell us if we're off on anything, if they feel like it's um, honoring the scripture that we've chosen for the year, if there's anything that stands out to them that might be incongruent with where we want to go or who we are as an organization, they give us feedback on that. And then we take their feedback and we edit our theme and exegesis, and then we start creating materials. And the creation of the materials takes about eight months and it's a combination yeah. efforts between you and Kelly and your team and the marketing team here at headquarters. And it's really a collaborative process where it's all hands on deck and we work together as a team to create the group experience kit and membership benefits and so many resources that we hope serve our moms really well. Yeah, I love that um, it starts with prayer. And I know you put a lot of um time and, you know, we kind of say blood, sweat, and tears, but that's really what it is um, in, in even just the starting process. But knowing that we're really speaking to the heart of what those moms are carrying, words like grateful and joyful and hopeful just do give a lot of hope to, the, to each of those things. But to know that the prayer uh, just continues throughout from the creation process um, to even even our graphic designer who prays over the colors and the images. Um, every single piece of that is part of it. And like you said, it really is collaborative. I think every employee in the office touches it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so it's kind of neat to see how that all unfolds. Totally. So this verse, this verse John 10.10 10, is set in the middle of a really neat passage in John about the good shepherd. Can you talk a little bit about what that verse means to you and and that whole section? Yeah, so the idea of John 10.10 just kept coming up in my life over and over again. And it came at a spot where I was feeling completely exhausted And I don't know about anyone listening, but like waking up in the morning, wondering if I could fit a nap in during the day, feeling overwhelmed by my kids' schedules, and um, just life felt a little bit heavy. And so I'm reading it, and it's talking about living life to the full. And it's sandwiched, this this verse, John 10, 10, is sandwiched in between the idea of a good shepherd and what it looks like to be led by a good shepherd and to trust that Jesus is our good shepherd. And um, recognizing how a good shepherd treats his sheep really revolutionized how I understood God. And it took the pressure off of me to strive and earn and achieve and try to figure out my own worth through achieving. And it really allowed me to stop and think about, I can rest in the fact that God is good, that he is shepherding me. And these nuances of what it means 
to be a shepherd in the original context of scripture was fascinating, right? So share one with us. Okay. So what we understand about being a shepherd in uh, biblical times was that a shepherd would anoint his she or his or her actually the interesting fact is a lot of shepherds were actually young girls teenage girls which i kind mm-hmm. of love but yeah. um, a shepherd would anoint their sheep's head with oil and it's such a strange concept to think about but the reason they did that was because flies would buzz around the sheep's eyes and in their ears and it would actually torment them and they would if it was bad enough, hit their head on a rock in order to alleviate the torment and try and get the flies away. And so when a shepherd anoints their sheep's head with oil, it calms them down, it deflects the flies, and it cares for them in this really unique way that alleviates their anxiety. And I Mm -hmm. thought, how many times have I felt anxiety over the course of my day? And when I trust in the fact that God is anointing my head with oil, which is a, a... a term that is used so often throughout scripture of how God cares for his people. It really reminded me like I can rest in the fact that I can trust my good shepherd. And I think this idea of the good shepherd has so many connotations for us as leaders in how we lead well and uh, serve the moms under our care that we're shepherding this year. I love that. I think um, we as moms and leaders often have those anxious uh, thoughts. That's nothing new to us. And so knowing that we have this good shepherd who cares about those anxieties um, is very comforting. Um, So we also provided all of our leaders um, a five-day devotional that really digs into this passage in John, some of the attributes. Um, So leaders can find that in their leader guide, or they can download it um, on the leader's website. But it'll really dig into some of those and help leaders to better understand that, that concept. There's also a couple of really great books about the idea of a good shepherd. Philip Keller wrote a book called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And then Ray Vanderlyn, who is one of my all-time favorite Bible scholars. I, I'm not sure if it's a video he did or an article, but it's co- called The Lord is My Shepherd, if, if you want to check that out. Very cool. So I, I love, too, how um, you said that the theme is kind of an invitation to savor and delight and enjoy life. Because I'll be honest, when I first heard the theme to the full, my um, desire to accomplish things went, oh my word, that sounds exhausting. Um, (laughs) Reading through it, I now know that's not the point, but I think we as moms live a very exhausted life often. How does to the full really not speak about attaining more. Yeah. So the, the full life to me is actually about less, which is a really dichotomous statement. But I think so often as women of faith, we are told that we should be doing more. We should be volunteering more. We should be serving more. We should be praying more. We should be doing devos more. And it feels a little suffocating because we only have so many hours in the day and we can never fulfill those things that we're told we should be doing. And I don't know about you, but so often in my life, I'm like, I just need 
to to rest and space to be with God and to stop feeling like I need to achieve or earn my worth in the eyes of God. And this is really the whole concept for life to the full. It's about taking a step back. It's about doing less so that we can be more. We can be in God's presence more. We can be with our kids more. We can enjoy our lives and enjoy the goodness that God uh, gives to us every day. But so often we miss it because we are running around trying to earn God's approval and to feel like we are enough when we simply need to sit and rest, enjoy the people around us, have some fun, not worry so much because we are under the care of a good shepherd who is taking care of our every need. You you hinted at it there, but each of our themes um, has three tenants, gives us an opportunity to dig in a little bit in um, some areas to focus. And this year, uh, fear less, have more fun, and find your people. So I just kind of want to dig into those a little bit and talk about each one. Let's start with fear less. I know fear can be a big part of our lives. We fear for our kids. We fear um, about failing in raising those kids. Um, as leaders, we can uh, have a fear of failing as well. Um, or sometimes it's fear of taking a big risk. What are some of the ways that we're going to address this fearless concept this year? Yeah, so fear seems to be so pervasive. I think the rates of anxiety and depression in the United States, I just saw some statistics, are continuing to skyrocket as they have over the past five years. I think we're at 68% of moms, young kids saying they have debilitating fear anxiety or depression that they're dealing with on a daily basis. And so we really feel like this is our year to focus on fearing less. And so what does that look like? In researching this concept a little bit, I found the idea of foreboding joy. And what that is, is the most terrifying emotion that we have as human beings is shocking when I tell you what it is. It's actually joy. Who would have guessed, right, that that's the, <laughs> the scariest emotion that we experience? But what happens is it's scary because we don't know what to do with it. So here's an example of what happens. We're laying our kids down for bed at night and they fall asleep and you look at them and they are just like the most precious thing you have ever seen, right? They're angelic. Oh, they're <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you look at them and you're, your heart just swells and you have this moment of like overwhelming ecstasy at looking at how beautiful they are and how much you love them. And then in the back of your mind, a thought starts to creep up like, oh my gosh, what if something happens? And you automatically go to this worst case scenario. And what we do is we dress, rehearse horrible things happening in order to protect ourselves. And the same thing happens like if things are going really well in life, like you get a promotion at work or things are just good and you're like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because surely this can't continue forever. And we just have this default setting as human beings where we're prone to dress rehearse tragedy or to guard ourselves and just imagine the worst possible thing happening in order to protect ourselves in the future if it does. But it doesn't actually work. It just robs us of the joy in the moment. Brene Brown talks about a story where she had a patient she, she was working with. He was 65 years old. 
And for all of his life, he decided he was never going to get too excited about anything or too sad about anything. He was going to stay in the middle. And then if things didn't turn out how he had hoped, he wasn't too disappointed. Hmm. And if they were great, you know, it was good, but he never really went full in on that because he didn't want to get too excited and get disappointed later down the road. And then he says that when he was 64, his wife died suddenly and he realized that he had spent all of that time staying in the middle, trying to protect himself. And it didn't in any way mitigate the loss he felt when his wife passed away. And he said that he wished he could go back and feel things bigger and be joyful and have more fun and really love his life instead of always trying to keep it, um, tamped down and small and uh, controlled because it didn't really serve him well in the long run. And so fearing less is really about opening ourselves up, choosing not to let our default be to dress rehearse tragedy and to enjoy the beauty of our kid laying in his bed like an angelic creature and just really being present in that moment or whatever moment brings us joy and not having to hedge it with fear. I love that. I think that's um, that's a concept that serves moms from the time they have babies um, until <laughs> until their children are grown. Like that's really a, a default setting that we do all throughout their lives. So totally. I was home last week with my mom. And she's like, it just feels so nice to have everybody under the same roof so I don't have to worry about you guys. I'm like, I am a 40-year-old woman with three kids and my mom is still, like that's still her default, right? To, to worry about us. So I think it's motherhood opens up in us these fears that we didn't even know we had before bringing kids into the world. And so I think it's a perfectly normal default response that we get to use his moms and um, utilize it in its best forms, but also harness it so that it doesn't control us in ways that stifle our thriving and our living life to the full. You hinted at this too, that one of the ways that we can fear less is to have more fun. And I have to honestly admit, I think motherhood kind of zapped my fun DNA a little bit. Just the weight of the responsibility of keeping these little people alive and helping them grow into strong, productive, and hopefully kind and loving humans kind of seemed so overwhelming that I almost forgot how to have fun. So I love that this is one of our tenants this year. Even our graphics are fun, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. And I am with you on that whole motherhood sapping your fun, like default setting, because that totally happened to me as well. Like the demands of the day and the responsibilities and just like the unending needs that having children brings into your life totally saps our fun. I feel like most of us, that becomes the last priority of the day. And it usually means just one more thing to clean up when we do try to prioritize fun. So that's why we feel like fun is so essential because really, if you look at the state of the world right now, I feel like we are taking ourselves way too seriously on social media 
in politics, there is no space for fun anymore. And I wonder what it would look like to regain a sense of levity, to not take ourselves so seriously, to enjoy each other and to prioritize fun, because I think that might just change our view on the world. And in so doing, the way that we interact with people from people who annoy us to our spouses, to our kids, to the people that we meet at the grocery store, I think it could revolutionize our entire culture if we just chose to incorporate a little more fun into our lives. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. I think science even agrees with you. Doctors will say laughing increases all of the good chemicals in our body that help us fight diseases and emotions and all of the kinds of things. I mean, it's good for us and we don't do it very often. So one of the things that I love um, immensely is that you didn't only just say, oh, we need to have more fun. You also wrote a book that gives us a lot of practical ideas in how to have more fun in our parenting, our friendship, our work, our marriage. I mean, from every aspect of our lives. Talk a little bit about what's in your book. This book was really my own (laughs) journey of needing to have more fun. Fun is not my default. I have to work really hard at it. Some people, I have friends who it's like, they are just like, fun is who they are. That is not me. And so I recognized one day when I yelled at my kids for laughing too loudly that I had a problem on my hands and that I needed to regain a sense of fun. And I didn't want to get to the end of my life and recognize I was just really good at returning email or really good at keeping up um, with the laundry. And so Have More Fun is about how I regained a sense of levity and joy in my life. And it's filled with practical ideas and stories that I share from some of my friends who have chosen fun. One of my favorite stories is a friend of mine who, for as long as I have known her, had always wanted to lose 15 pounds. And so she went to the gym religiously every day, but she always said it was like torture getting there. And then when she was there, she'd look at the 18-year-old butts on the treadmill next to her and felt a little anxious and depressed about it. And it just all around, she hated going to the gym. And so one day she decides that she's going to do something different, something that's always felt frivolous and like she shouldn't spend money on it, but something that she's always wanted to do. And so she takes, she cancels her gym membership, takes the money that she was spending there and uses it to buy tango lessons, something that she's wanted to do since she was a teenager. And then she texts me a couple months after she starts. And she told me that she had already lost five pounds, was having the time of her life and had never felt more alive. And this story has nothing to do with losing weight. Like who cares, right? About that. It's, it's simply about the fact that when we re-examine our life and say, what are the things that are draining the life out of me? And then shift our focus into something that brings us joy and revitalizes our soul. Something unique happens and the people around us change. Our own psyche changes. Our bodies change. Remarkable things happen when we just make small shifts in our life to have a little more fun. Yeah, I I admit I am the mother that banned Play-Doh and glitter from her house because of the mess. <laughs> um, I really wish I could go back to those years and be more willing to make a mess. Um, I I let 
<laughs> I let my daughter make slime. You want to talk about a mess, right? That- oh, dude, slime. <laughs> oh, it's everywhere. We seriously had, I actually dug in there with her and made, um, we made mermaid slime that had big chunky glitter added into it. What? Jen, you're (laughs) killing it at this mom gig. Oh, no, no. Look at you. I mean, it was fun. We laughed. But I will tell you, it was... it was something that I was surprised at how intentional I had to be. Like I had this physical reaction to it. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my finger and this nastiness and look at the glitter. And I, I still find glitter. But, you know, it reminds me of the smile that was on her face after we played with slime for, I, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Long. Yeah, it doesn't take much. And I feel the same way. Like I have to work hard to have fun. Like I have to remind myself, oh, this is fun. This is, and really get into it. And then suddenly I start to have fun, but it takes a little warm up period. Yeah. It really is that almost mind over, over matter sometimes on some of those things. I heard John Acuff say once, um, you know, when he was talking about reaching goals, how it's important that the goals that you set have an element of fun or why would you, why do them? And so the story about your friend um, dancing made me think, you know, here she had this goal and she wanted to accomplish it, but without that fun, it's just, you know, it's torture. It's torture. Yes, totally. I love that. Well, and I want my parenting to be enjoyable, not torture. So exactly you know, be intentional and work hard on that. Um, I'm willing. I'm I'm two feet in. Um, can I check off slime? Do I not have to do slime again? Can I? Say- I think you covered slime. Yeah, you did it. I don't even really want to know what the next greatest. Thing- <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a really good idea for you that we did on spring break. Oh no. Okay. So, I'm brave. I can do like it. Minimal mess. Minimal mess. So we got uh, tennis balls and a crazy amount of glow sticks at the dollar store. And we broke them open and we poured out whatever was inside. I don't know if it's toxic or not, but this is worth it. You pour it out on the tennis ball, you cover it up. And then we went to the tennis courts at night where my mom lives. And, um, We put glow sticks around the outer perimeter of the lines for the tennis court. And then we played tennis in the dark. It was so fun. So we had kids ranging from one to 17 out there on the tennis court. And every single one of them had a blast. And everybody was loving it. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I, like I say, I don't know whether it's toxic or not. You know what? There's so many things out there that can hurt us. um, But, you know. Something's going to hurt you at some point. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah. You need a little dirt to build the immunity. So, it's so true. Yeah. Um, so the third tenant, I don't want us to miss this one because I think this is really vital. The third tenant is find your people. Which I kind of chuckle at because I think that's MOPS, you know, our people, our moms, we're right here at MOPS. But I think this find your people encompasses more than that, that, you know, it's about intentional relationships outside of your meeting, which is maybe once or twice a month. But it may even be searching for people that are outside of your immediate circle. 
Um, tell us a little bit more about what you were thinking behind the concept of find your people. Yeah. So I think there's two layers here and I totally agree with you. Like finder, finding our people is what MOPS does, right? I have friends now who I made in MOPS 10 years ago and they're still my closest, dearest friends. And I hear that over and over again, that we cultivate lifelong friendship at MOPS, honing in to the people in your MOPS group and building deep friendship there. But secondly, I'm really a little bothered by the idea of how buzzwordy community is right now in Christian circles and how we are placing so much focus on finding your community and being a community and all this kind of stuff. When I wonder about the fact that we have community all around us on any given day, right? Like, so the same person picks up my kids at the bus stop every morning. I see the same people who check me out at the grocery store once a week when I go and get groceries or maybe a few more times than that because (laughs) it's like, doesn't always work out as, as cleanly as that. But there are people all around us. I feel like on a daily basis who we so often fail to build relationship with. And yet there are an integral part of our everyday lives. And so finding our people is really just being present in our community it's looking people in the eye. It's uh, in the checkout line, striking up a conversation. It's really just choosing relationship because I feel like so often in our current state of culture, of our culture, we forego those daily interactions because we're distracted and busy. And so it's just slowing down and having some fun with the people around us on a daily basis. My mom used to do that. I remember as a teenager, she would go in the same line. She would look for the same cashier when we checked out at the grocery store and ask her about her day. And she knew so much information about this lady. And I think now how often I go to the grocery store and you scan and you're like, which is the shortest line? Oh, I'll take the self checkout. Mm -hmm. Um, But just watching her be so intentional to build that relationship. And I think that's part of what this is. It's intentional about what we do and how we spend time with people. Totally. And I think in learning is efficiency is the antithesis of cultivating friendship. Like there's nothing about friendship that is efficient or easy or quick. It's It takes time and it takes intention and it takes some effort. And so that's what I have really been focusing on in my own personal life and with the friendships that I'm trying to work on building right now. Well, Mandy, I am super excited about this to the full year. I anticipate lots of fun stories, lots of brave stories and new relationships. So let's get at it. Let's have a great year. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. Thank you for joining us today, Mandy. Oh, thanks for having me. We invite you to share this podcast with all of your leadership team members who can find all of the to the full resources at leaders.mops.org. There's a lot of great information, including the five day devotional that we mentioned. Have a great day.